Welcome to the Oceanside Sanctuary Podcast. We're continuing our series titled Presence. Throughout this series, we're learning to become aware of the divine in our midst. Today, Pastor Alex Kipp shares a teaching from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, simply titled Change. How's everyone doing? Good? Yeah? You guys liking the service? Is it my turn? Oh, yeah, it's my turn? All right. Who's noticed some uh, changes today? Huh? Who's noticed some changes? Yeah? How y'all feeling about them? Let's be honest. How y'all feel about them? I don't like it. You don't like it? Oh, I don't like it. Change. Right? What changes have you noticed? Come on, let's notice them. What's going on? Huh? That window right there is closed. How do you guys like that? Let's get a consensus. Come on. You like it? No? Yes, raise your hand if you like it. Raise your hand if you like it. Okay, the, the door's being open. Okay, we got some, some people liking it. How many people have noticed, what else have you noticed? Lights are off, okay. Who likes that? Raise your hand if you like that. Yeah? That's actually a pretty big number. Uh-oh, we might actually change that then. Okay, what else have you noticed? This has changed. Anything else? What's up? No? Nothing? All right, that was it. That was a trick question. That's all that's changed. Change, right? Oh, it's hard. Change is hard. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of strength. Oh, gosh. It makes us nervous sometimes. God might close the door on you. He might close the door on you. You might have to come through another door. I had to do that. I just, it was too corny, like I could not do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> God calls you, calls us to radical change. It's different, it's scary, but uh, it's God, right? We're talking about God's presence. I'm out of breath doing all that. Jeez. <laughs> Whew. We talked about last, the first week, curiosity. Talked about devotion. Those things aren't enough, right? You can be really curious, you can be really devoted, but when God calls you to change, uh oh, that's where I stop, right? But God calls all of us to change in certain ways. He calls our community, our world to change so that we can flourish. My senior year of college, I was not flourishing. Got a call from the doctor. Four little words changed my life forever. He said, Alex, you have cancer. All of a sudden, it wasn't too long before I looked like this. All right? Looked pretty different, huh? I was a little more buff then, actually, which is kind of weird. Like, you wouldn't expect that, but I was, like, slamming the gym when I was sick, man. <laughs> it's a good look. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. But the doctors were not very hopeful. At first they were. They said, hey, you're gonna have six rounds of chemotherapy. Everything's gonna be great. You're gonna be fine. Six months, you can go to New York and start singing again, do all that thing. Great. Get another call from the doctor. Six months is over. Six rounds are over. He says, Alex, you're gonna need to come into the office. Uh, things aren't looking so good going on? 
get there, we're sitting down in the office, you know, you guys have been in the doctor's office, right? Cold room, the yeah. bright white lights, you know, the awkward silence, the tension. He says, Alex, six rounds didn't work. We're gonna need to do a stem cell transplant. My dad starts freaking out, Whoa, what's a stem cell transplant? What's a stem cell transplant? He's like, uh, sir, Mr. Kip, think of it like restarting a computer. We're gonna do a bunch of things to his body. We're gonna give him basically the most intense kind of chemotherapy you could ever imagine. We're gonna blow everything up. We're gonna take his blood count to zero, to zero. And then we're gonna introduce some stem cells. So think about like, think about, I'm not gonna go there. Think about, uh, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there, sorry. Think about a big bombing, right? Completely laid out. All of a sudden you start planting new life into this nature. There's fertile soil. Hopefully they think that those stem cells will just reproduce new healthy cells because there's no more cancerous cells, right? It's like hitting restart on a computer. Here's the only problem. That computer is probably not gonna boot back up again. So I looked at the doctor and I said, what are my chances? He said, Alex, you have about a 15 to 30% chance of survival. Now the good news is, it worked, right? <laughs> so I'll just skip to the end. It worked, right? A rebirth, a rebirth, a rebirth. In fact, the day that they gave me my stem cells, they called it my second birthday. That's a thing, yeah, she knows what I mean. It's a thing they do. Unfortunately, she knows what I mean. It's your second birthday. We had a big celebration. My family and I, we still always celebrate it. I got a second birthday, a literal, physical rebirth, right? But there was something deeper that happened within that. And that's something deeper is what Jesus is getting at here with Nicodemus. See, Jesus meets this man named Nicodemus. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, well, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water in spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. So what's going on here, right? Jesus 
He's talking about a spiritual rebirth. Nicodemus can't get it. Nicodemus can only think about this physical rebirth. Why? Well, Nicodemus, one of the leaders of the Jews, he was like the trained Pharisee of the day, right? He was probably the leader of the Sanhedrin, which is a sect of the Jewish, you know, religion that knew everything. They studied day and night. This guy was like the Yale graduate professor who has a zinger for everything that you don't know, right? He knows it all. And he can recognize God in Jesus, but that doesn't mean that he's been changed by God, right? What does Jesus say to him? He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you think you know all these things. That's great. But you know what? You're blind. You literally cannot see what God is trying to do. Have you ever heard of a blind spot? Right? A term in psychology, a blind spot. You know, something happens to you in your life. You get all triggered. You get all emotional. And you start acting out. And someone's like, whoa, what the heck? Where did that come from? Right? That's a blind spot. Nicodemus, all of us, we have blind spots. Right? That God's trying to break through. That God's trying to break apart. But why can't he get to Nicodemus, right? Because Nicodemus is so resistant. He says, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus can't get it. That's a comical question to ask Jesus, right? I'm sure Jesus is just like, oh, man, really? Okay, let me try again. Very truly, I tell you, right? Nicodemus has a lot of ego, a lot of resistance. You know what ego is? Edging God out. Edging God out. Ego. You can know all kinds of things about God. I go to school where my professors know all kinds of things about God. They, they trump me big time. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I did not know that. And I'm not saying my professors don't know God on this level either. But you know those people, right? The mansplainers in our lives, right? Sometimes I'm one of them, who think they know God, who think they know everything, but really they're just caught up in their ego, edging God out. They're resistant. Jesus says, once again, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. So first off, what does Jesus even mean by the kingdom of God, right? Interestingly, in John, the kingdom of God, that phrase only shows up in this section of the Bible. John only uses the kingdom of God here. Jesus is talking about a present reality, right? This indwelling of God's spirit within us that makes us able to see, to enter into what God is doing right here and now. It's so easy to think of the kingdom of God as this far-off place, right? Nicodemus, you just got to say the sinner's prayer, and then you'll go to heaven, right? A lot of people use that, right? You must be born from above. Most other versions say you must be born again. The Greek word there is anathen, though, and it means born from above, because it's easy to think 
And I was involved with a lot of churches who thought this, right? Oh, you just say the sinner's prayer? Just check off some things on the list? Brother, you're born again! Welcome! And yet nothing in their life actually changes. Nothing about them starts to reflect who God is. Jesus isn't just talking about some mental kind of ascent. He's talking about a completely new way of being. When he talks about the wind here, when he talks about the spirit, he uses this imagery to try to convey to Nicodemus what this is about. The water, right? Water has a physical and spiritual reality. Water, 80% or more of our body is made up of water, right? If you go three or four days without having water, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? More than that, you're going to die. You go a couple weeks, you can go a couple weeks without food. You go three or four days without water, you're dead, right? But there's a spiritual reality of water too. A lot of people think he's talking about baptism, right? Baptism, forgiveness, repentance, leaving that old self, baptism being the symbolic spiritual symbol of rebirth, right? But I think it's even more than that. I think he's talking about the living water, which is Christ, which is God, which is the Spirit of Christ all around us, everywhere. Right? So often in John, he's talking about this living water, this living water. So there's that physical water that we need, but there's that living spiritual water. Without it flowing through us, we feel empty sometimes. We don't feel fulfilled. We feel confused. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says you must be born from above. Because again, like Nicodemus, you can recognize what God's doing that doesn't mean you've been changed by it. Jesus is talking about the death of your old self. New creation. Right? Part of me died through that process. I would never sing in the same way. I never looked quite the same. But it didn't end with a physical death. It provoked a spiritual rebirth as well. Some of you are going through some crazy things in your life that do not make sense. It's going to provoke a spiritual rebirth as well, if you allow it. Because the openness to God creates in us the incarnation of Christ within us. Born from above. Anyone like soda or pop or anything like that? I don't know. What do you guys say out here? Pop or soda? Soda? Okay, I say pop because I'm a Midwesterner, right? Cold drink. drink. There you go. Okay, so pop or soda? What's some of your favorites? Just shout some out. Coca-Cola, nice. Sprite, nice. My favorite was Mountain Dew, personally. That used to be, oh, come on, Mountain Dew, man. That used to be my absolute favorite. Think of of soda. Think of soda, right? 80% of that is water, right? What gives, it its, what gives it its bubble? What gives it its flavor? What gives it its life? What is it? What? Sugar. Sugar is one thing, yeah. Mainly carbonation, right? CO2. CO2 is not that different from water, right? But you throw in a little CO2, all of a sudden that water has life. It starts to bubble. Tastes different. Gets you excited about things. 
That's how I think about the spirit sometimes. Add a little spirit to the natural thing that's within you. Starts mixing around with your spirit. All of a sudden, new creation, new life. Sometimes it feels like this, you know? You get that spirit going. Again, maybe it's Mountain Dew. For me, it was, right? Get a good taste of that spirit in your life. All of a sudden, ah, things start changing, right? Things start changing. (laughs) Come on, who wants to dance with me? Yeah? It's good. But hey, that's scary, right? It's scary to feel the presence of God that much. It's scary when everyone else doesn't really look like that. Luke was talking about the other day how people rag on him sometimes because he's so positive, right? It's easy to try and dim the spirit, to dim the light. The spirit of God, when it flows through you, when it flows through all of us in our communities, there is a life to it that cannot be denied. God's transformative presence changes you and us. Spiritual birth, a recreation. Now you may be wondering how. How's that, how's that going to happen, Alex? Tell me how, right? Well, if you're like some of our other friends, the born-again mentality, right? It's all about your will. You just say the right thing, again, you're born again completely takes God out of the picture. Richard Rohr said it best. He said, most of us were taught that God would love us if and when we change. In fact, God loves you so that you can change. What empowers change, what makes you desirous of change is the experience of love. It is that inherent experience of love that becomes an engine of change. See, it's so easy to think about, okay, if I'm gonna be reborn, if I'm gonna be a new creation, then I gotta make this thing happen, right? I gotta gotta do better at this, my devotions, this, this, and that. God's gonna do the work. You understand God's love. What empowers change, what makes you desirous of change is the experience of love. And honestly, The only way to get there is not by knowing everything, like Nicodemus. It's not by willing it to happen. It's by surrendering to God's love. Now, surrender might provoke a bit of anxiety in you, right? The word surrender. Because how does our culture think about the word surrender? Defeat. Giving up. Right? We live in a culture that loves war, loves money, loves promotion, loves stepping on the poor to make the rich better. Surrender? What am I surrendering to? That's giving up. Spiritual surrender. Something way different. Talking about the great surrender to God. That makes you more aware of God's presence. That makes you take that ego out of the equation, right? That makes you more responsible for your decisions and your actions and your choices because you've surrendered to God, the ultimate accountability buddy 
Anybody ever had accountability, buddy? When God's your accountability partner, when he's flowing in you and flowing through you, all of a sudden, whoa, that's a different kind of surrender. Because if you have to know everything like Nicodemus, and that completely takes away faith, right? If you knew everything, what would be the purpose of faith? Surrendering, relying on God to come through, to provide, to teach us, to tell us, to show us the way. But it's difficult. Experiencing that living water is very difficult. Because, you know, the truth is, there is a kind of spiritual cancer in our world, in our culture, in our society. Diana Butler Bass said it best. There's an opportunity as well. Strange as it may seem in this time of cultural anxiety, economic near collapse, terrorist fear, political violence, environmental crisis, and partisan anger, right? We all know that that's there, right? We all experience it if we look deep enough. She says, I believe that the United States, and not only the United States, is caught up in the throes of a spiritual awakening, a period of sustained religious and political transformation during which our ways of seeing the world, understanding ourselves, and expressing faith are being, to borrow a phrase, born again. Change is not about endings and beginnings and the necessary inter... Change is about, sorry. Change is about endings and beginnings and the necessary interrelationship between the two. See, when Jesus is talking about birth from above, being reborn, he's talking about that kind of change that helps you see this thing has ended in my life. This thing is over. It was not producing the fruit of God for my community, for my world, for the people in my life. This is the new beginning. That is the cosmic Christ, right? That is the death and resurrection of Christ, endings, beginnings, over and over and over again. The mystics knew this best. They said, when you get to know God more, when you go deeper and deeper into God, you realize you don't know a whole lot. In fact, even your concepts of God have to be questioned. Even your concepts of God, who can experience God, who can experience God, all that done, reborn, love of Christ flowing through us, flowing through our communities. And we've experienced this kind of change, endings and beginnings. It wasn't too long ago that we were called First Christian Church, right? That was difficult for some of us. It wasn't too long ago when we were doing the Tuesday night homeless meal. That was an amazing thing that was happening, but all of a sudden, what happened? The wind started blowing, right? Things started to shift. The city all of a sudden shut us down. We realized, oh my gosh, our volunteers are getting kind of burned out. This is happening every single week. People are fighting in the streets. Our neighbors don't like us very much. It was a good thing we were doing, but the wind of the Spirit was moving, encouraging us to see a new direction. And what happened? Started something new. We weren't afraid to step into that rebirth. We weren't afraid to be reborn. And the second homeless meal, 
resource fair happened last week. We had 46 volunteers at this thing who never come to the church. There was no fighting. There was no anything. There was this spirit of love and, and humility. And all of that was built upon the amazing things that Phil did as well. It's all part of it, and Phil's involved with it now too. Rebirth. We can't be afraid of rebirth because the wind blows where it's going to blow. You may not see it. You may hear it. The Spirit of God is always blowing, always moving, always shifting, always changing. So the question is, are we aware? Again, God's presence everywhere, always, always moving. Are we aware? Where's God going to take this church next? I don't know. Maybe you're like Nicodemus. Maybe it's going to take you a little time. But you know what happened with Nicodemus? The end of John, we see him two more times. In John 7, Nicodemus comes and he starts defending Jesus in front of all the Sanhedrin front of all those political religious leaders when before he had to come sneaking around at night, right? Because he didn't want to be seen by Jesus. All of a sudden, he's defending him. He's the one who helps bury Jesus. He's the one who helps pay for that to happen. So it may take a little bit of time for you. That's okay. Or you may be ready to go. You may be like, hey, get me involved. I want to start a nonprofit. Hey, make me a leader. We need leaders, right? Doesn't matter where you are. God knows where you are. But if you're one of those people, then we should talk, right? Because we have work to do in this community. We have homeless people to get off the streets. We have pews to fill. We have a co-working space opening up soon that we want to get flowing, right? We've got things to do. The wind of the Spirit is moving. And if we don't recognize it, we're going to be lost. We might be dead. That's our opportunity. Spirit of God flowing through you, our communities, change all of us. So are we ready? Let's pray for it to happen then. Loving God, we thank you for making us aware of the need for change, Lord. Lord, we're not saying that anyone in here is broken or messed up or bruised. This is not a message of shame. This is a message of great opportunity, Lord. You call us to change so that we can experience more of you so we can live into your gospel. So God, I ask that you help us, this church, this community, this world, be reborn. I ask for rebirth, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.